0: Well, hello once again, my friends, and welcome to episode five of the Saving Christianity podcast from Christian Family Online. And I want to thank you here at the beginning today. For um for tuning in with us on our podcast. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you've been listening every time. Whatever the case is, we're glad that you're here. I'm your host, John Shields, and we are continuing our discussion of Saving Christianity, a book that shows us how to have more peace, healing, and hope. And I'm sure uh, I don't know anyone that doesn't want more of that in their life. Now today, this episode is called The court houses. Yes, you heard me right, The Courthouses. And we're going to tell the rest of the shocking story, and that's not an understatement, of the Roman Emperor Constantine and how he suppressed Christianity in the 4th century. And as we saw previously, he changed the structure of Christianity From a spiritual design to a non-spiritual design, as part of his overall plan, it was to be the supreme emperor of a united Roman kingdom. But before we go any further, let's pause to introduce, uh, by now you know, my best friend and co-host of the podcast, Owen Allen. Owen, why don't you welcome
1: our friends? Uh, glad too, John. Nothing makes me happier than talking uh, to our friends. That's why we're here. You know, I was thinking driving in, I missed the studio when we're not here recording with our producer, Shannon Wolf, behind the soundboard and all of his equipment. Uh, you know, and I can tell you this too, John, I'm deeply gratified by the acceptance that uh, our podcast uh, episodes are receiving, not only in the U.S., but around the world. And you know, that's a, a very, very important thing, because as I said, that's why we're here. That's what we feel like we need to do. And it's just very exciting uh, for all three of us to be yeah, here for sure. uh, at, at the uh, studio again.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I, too and it's it's wonderful and uh, i'm just glad that uh, we're we're able to be a part of this
1: well that's right wonderful it doesn't cover it yeah <laughs> but and i want to say something else too, john and 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 to shannon i, I think i think these episodes about constantine uh, are some of the most valuable episodes we'll ever do and i'll tell you why because uh, if if Most of the people out there hearing us at this moment are like we were and like I was. Uh, Very few people know anything about Constantine. Maybe they've heard his name, but very few understand what he actually did to early Christianity. Yeah, oh, and
0: I couldn't agree more. That's certainly my experience as well. And uh, it's incredibly important for people to know the truth about Constantine, and, and actually to know what he did to Christianity, because his story, we're going to see, is the key to knowing the cause of today's crisis in Christianity.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's a horrible thing, if, and that's a, a word I choose carefully, but so— Why don't we, in this episode, try to talk about just five of the most damaging actions that Constantine took against the early Christians in the 4th century. And you know, John, if our friends need to review, want to review episode four, where we introduced Constantine last time, they know they can do that by going to cfopods.com on the internet. That's cfo. P-O-D-S, CFOpods.com on the internet, and that'll take them right to the correct page on our website to review all of those episodes. But let's settle down and think about the rest of Constantine's story. First of all, we know that he worked for 25 years. That was a long time in those days to redesign Christianity. And frankly, redesign is a polite word. The truth is, he devastated the spirituality of Christians so completely. think about this a minute. Christian spirituality is still rare today among today's Christians.
0: Yeah, and when I hear you, hear you say that, um, oh, and every time I think about that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked by it really. But, but I also know that it's true in all of my experiences down through the years. Well, moving along, to get us started, we know that Constantine passed more than 300, that's right, 300 laws to regulate and control the early Christians. But I think it begs the question, which of those laws was the most harmful to them?
1: Wow, John, that's a great question. That that gets right to the heart of the problem, but let's answer it. Here's the hmm. answer. Our friends will remember that for the first three centuries of early Christianity, that, that would be about the first eight generations of the early Christians, all Christians worshipped informally in small groups in private homes. And let's repeat that. All Christians worshipped informally, in small groups, in private homes. That was what we call their organizational design or organizational structure. We're going to talk about that a lot in this episode. But that was the key to their amazing spirituality. So, since they had that design, here we go. The most harmful action that Constantine took was the one he took against Christian small groups. Hmm. And another thing is a sidebar. Let's remember that the Christian small groups were unique in the Roman Empire. None of the other religions in the empire met in small groups. How did they meet? Hmm. They met in large groups, in large temples. For example, the sun god religion— one of the official religions of Rome, and the religion in which Constantine was the high priest, Mm -hmm. they didn't worship in small groups, and neither did the several hundred other non-Christian religions in the empire.
0: Well, that's an amazing fact. And uh, i just say to our listeners, um, stay with us now as we... uh, Uh, move through each of these facts, and they are so, so important. So next, let's tell our friends why worshiping in small groups was so important.
1: Well, as we said, these Christian small groups, that was the key to their spirituality. As I said, we call that their organizational design, and that's what created the amazing peace and healing and hope and miracles that the early christians enjoyed
0: yeah uh, oh and uh our listeners uh, may or may not know that uh i've, I've been a, a trained uh, pastor for uh in a traditional sense for over 30 oh, right at 30 years mm-hmm. and uh and and this uh, actually a revelation to me um as we've been embarked on this uh this journey, this quest as we started out, um, that's true. And and just like me, I have a feeling that our listeners may not know how small group meetings actually did
1: that. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a basic principle if you stop and think about it. It's very logical. As we so often say, God is a logical person. Mm-hmm. The principle is this, meeting in small groups in private homes is quicker, easier, safer, cheaper, more confidential, more convenient, and more intimate, and most importantly, more spiritual than meeting in large audiences in large buildings.
0: And obviously there are reasons for that. Now, I bet a lot of people never thought about this fact from history.
1: No, probably not. Well, let's try to explain it a little more completely then by asking a question. Here's the question. Why why did the early Christians meet in the first place? What was the point? Have you ever thought about Mm -hmm. that? Why did they meet in those ancient times in their little stone homes, and what was the point of it? See, they didn't meet for the reasons that non-Christians met. Why did the non-Christians meet? To obey their priests to make burnt offerings, to have drunken banquets, to have ceremonial parades, to have ritual orgies. But the Christians, they didn't meet for any of those reasons. They met to experience the power of peace, healing, and hope from the Holy Spirit. They met to let the Holy Spirit work through them with supernatural guidance, miracles, and spiritual growth, and none of the non-Christian religions met for any of those reasons.
0: Wow, that, that is a very, very powerful uh, fact of history.
1: Well, <laughs> I think it's the most powerful thing on earth. But here, here's the point, John. The Holy Spirit, hold on, is only free to act when Christians don't have ceremonies and programs and rituals and all the things that the non-Christians had that suppress, that's a careful word, it means to push down, to mash down, that suppress his actions. In other words, Christians need to meet where they have complete freedom to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And the small group structure is the only organizational design that allows that kind of personal freedom
0: Mm. Uh, that explains a lot though. and when you think about uh as we started in our first first podcast uh we were talking about how so many people have come away from Mm. uh saying that uh it is christianity is boring and (laughs) not relevant and those types of things and and when you stop and think about it that how in the world if the if the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. was was free to work and act, there's no way we would say something like that. So we can see the truth of what you're talking. We're actually saying that the informality and the mm-hmm. intimacy of mm-hmm. the small group is the structure and the design that creates spiritual growth.
1: Absolutely, John, and people don't think about – I remember a guy used to say a funny thing to me. He used to say, don't you think God is bigger than what we see on Sunday morning? Mm. And there's a lot of truth to that little saying.
0: Isn't it? uh, But but on the other hand, Owen, right, if we look at it in reverse, (laughs) are we saying then that the formality of large group meetings – with rigid ceremonies, programs, rituals, etc., are a design that that I, I hate to even say this actually suppresses spiritual growth.
1: Well, it is. I mean, yes, that's what we're saying. And here's something a lot of people don't think about, John: the small group design that we'll be talking about a lot in this podcast mm-hmm. is the design that the Holy Spirit. Gave Christians on the day that he founded Christianity. see this came from God, it mm-hmm. didn't come from Constantine or other people, and God has never changed it mm-hmm. and more importantly, Christians were never supposed to stop using that meeting design
0: yeah, uh, you know oh and I'm thinking as you're saying that that Jesus himself uh modeled this. Amen. All right, he didn't choose twelve hundred people initially, <laughs> he chose twelve.
1: Classic uh, and, small he, group. and he
0: handpicked them. Mm-hmm. So we're saying that Constantine came along in the fourth century and changed the organizational
1: design
0: that was the only thing that made Christians different
1: from non Christians. That's true as far as design. Of course, there are many other differences, but precisely that's true. The small group structure was, as we said, the design that God gave Christians, and it was the only thing that made the Christian design different from the non-Christian design. So when Constantine changed that basic structure— I'm answering your earlier question. Mm -hmm. It was the most harmful action that he took against the early Christians. And by the way, that's why our friends would be happy to know that we're going to describe and explain and give examples and everything else of how Christian small groups work in upcoming episodes.
0: Yeah, right, Owen, and we are. And that is really, really important. It's something that uh, we have spent uh, countless hours talking <laughs> about. But but let's go back to Constantine a minute. I, I think it's important that we answer this question: What did he do to Christian small groups? How how did he change them?
1: Well, it this is very, very interesting. It he just gradually suppressed them with new laws. You mentioned the 300 laws earlier, Mm -hmm. and the result of that was that over a period of the 25 years that I mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, the small groups got weaker and weaker uh, in the empire, the entire Roman Empire worldwide now, remember we're talking. But then finally, Constantine eventually died. And when he did, his... Followers, the emperor that followed him, uh, small groups were permanently outlawed in the empire. Mm. And think about this. From that point forward, the late 4th century, Christians caught attending small groups were subject to arrest, imprisonment, torture, and even execution.
0: So this is a benchmark. Mm. So to the key— Really, to Christian spirituality, which is the essence of what we're about. Yeah. The habit of meeting in small groups mm-hmm. was terminated in the fourth century.
1: Yeah you know they, they that had a movie i think some years ago called the terminator mm. well if anybody was a terminator it was constantine mm. but look that that explains why so many christians today um meet in small groups or uh, so few, I should say, Christians today meet in small groups as their main form of worship. Think about this now. Mm-hmm. A lot of Christians meet in small groups for things like Bible study and prayer and Sunday school, but there are very few Christians who meet in a small group, 6, eight, 10 people, as their main form of Sunday worship.
0: Yeah, it's kind of been looked at as an add-on. Uh, That's true. Uh, From my experience, a lot of us, though, uh, never thought of that.
1: Well, that's right, because today, today's Christians, their main form of worship is meeting in small groups in large buildings, watching large ceremonies, programs, and rituals. But you know what? They're still obeying Constantine's laws. Right. From the
0: 4th century. It's unbelievable when you think about it, really. But how was Constantine um, strategically able to change the worship habits of, of all the Christians, really, in the, in the entire Roman
1: Empire at once? Yeah, you think about that. How do you change something yeah. in the entire world? Well, that was one of the powers of the Roman Empire. It was centralized in Rome, and it was centralized under the emperor. But remember this, too. Mm -hmm. He had the whole Roman army, the most powerful army on earth at the time, to enforce his laws. But he didn't use it very often. What he used is a technique that dictators still use today it's called gradualism yes what he did he gradually chipped away at christians with little laws spread out over a period of 25 years so you really didn't notice them that mm-hmm. much until finally all of these little laws added up to a great big fat change in mm-hmm. the entire organizational design of christianity in the entire roman Empire. Yeah. What
0: was the actual—let's talk about what the first thing that Constantine did to change the the Christian small group meetings throughout the empire.
1: Well, John, I think this is going to surprise a lot of people, but just a couple of years after Constantine came to power, he started construction of the very first Christian buildings— ever built. Mm. You stop and think Mm. about, John, it's sort of funny. A lot of people ride down the street of their hometown and they pass a lot of church Mm -hmm. buildings. They assume that that's how it was always done, that Christians always had what a friend of mine calls steeple houses. Mm. Uh, But that is not true. They didn't exist until the fourth century. And check this out. He named those buildings churches, a word that he invented. It didn't exist until the fourth century, and then he passed a law requiring those buildings to be open on a day that he named, hang on, Mm. Sunday, the day of the sun, and that's another word that he invented. And finally, he now made it law for all Christians to, quotes, go to church on Sunday, in other words. All Christians had to attend those buildings on that day if they wanted to worship without getting arrested. And that's why today, Hmm. 1,700 years later, Christians still, quotes, go to church on Sunday instead of worshiping in small groups in their homes. Yeah. Oh, and I'm
0: glad I'm already sitting down <laughs> um, after hearing that uh, uh, again. I, it's incredible. I mean, it yeah. really is. You, you can you can actually begin to put the pieces together mm-hmm. of how, how things began to unravel. Yep. But I bet very few people know these historical facts. They're they're shocking.
1: Well, they are. But as we promised our friends at the start of the podcast, the purpose. Of these episodes is to explain the root cause of today's Christian crisis and to explain what to do about mm, it. So important. Yeah, well, now we know the root cause, yeah. and the root cause of today's crisis is Constantine coming to power 1700 years ago and redesigning Christianity. Mm, of, but, cu-
0: of course, he's the counterfeiter, isn't he?
1: <laughs> yeah. But listen, here's the good news. Now that we know the root cause, we can talk about what to do about it.
0: Yeah, uh, that is desperately important uh, that uh, we we've, we've tried to make clear from the beginning that we're not just here to talk about problems, mm-hmm. but we're here ultimately to talk about solutions. Roger. But in that context, I have a question. Hmm. The title of this episode is the courthouses. Yeah. And uh, we all have an image
1: of that, but what does that title mean? What
0: what were the courthouses?
1: Well, it's a fascinating question, John. Let's summarize what we said so far to, to put it in context. First, number one, we said that before Constantine, all Christians met in small groups in private homes. Number two, we said that those meetings of those small groups were the key to the peace and healing and hope that the early Christians enjoyed. And number three, we said that all of this was because the small group structure gave Christians the freedom, I want to emphasize Mm -hmm. that word, Mm -hmm. the freedom to have spiritual experiences. Yeah, that's an excellent summary, Owen. Okay, so, but as we said, Constantine comes along, and his plan for the empire was that every religion be controlled the same way. And if the non-Christians had temples, then Constantine said, okay, then Christians are going to have temples too. And so he designed and planned and built the first Christian buildings. And by the way, they still stand in Rome today. I've been in them. But let's say it again. It was the Emperor Constantine who designed, planned, and built the world's first Christian buildings. Before him... There were no buildings. None have ever been found. There are no ruins anywhere because there were only small group meetings in private homes.
0: That's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. I, wonder, I wonder how many people realize that Christians haven't, that is, have not, always had buildings. Um, obviously, that's such an emphasis, mm. uh, or that Christians never—
1: Wanted to have buildings. Now, you know, that's a neat fact, John, because think about it. Uh, in 300 years and eight generations, if the Christians had wanted to, they could have built buildings. Mm-hmm. They knew how. They came from temples, after all. Right. Well, no, but few people know these facts, and we've all heard the old saying that goes something like this, those who don't know the past are doomed to repeat it. Yeah, so because so many Christians don't know who Constantine was or what he did, they'll keep on meeting the way Constantine mandated until somebody tells them differently.
0: And that's why we're producing yeah. this podcast. We're here mm-hmm. with good news, the best news, uh, news of a solution to tell them differently.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I hope so. That's what keeps us up at night. Yeah. But, but now let, let's answer your specific question. Now let's get back to the title of this episode. What were the courthouses? And here's the answer. When Constantine designed his first Christian buildings, he designed them in a very special way. He designed them as Christian, uh, excuse me, as Roman courthouses.
0: Wow, that is so interesting. And, and so what was his motive behind that?
1: Well, look at it this way. As a frame of reference, in, in that day, non-Christian temples were designed either round or square. But Constantine designed his first Christian buildings in a rectangular shape. Think of a shoebox a long, narrow shape. They were long buildings. And you went up a a flight of wide steps in front, and then you went into an Mm -hmm. entrance lobby. And then you went and opened some big doors, and you went into a long, narrow room that had a center aisle. And then you went down that center aisle, and in the front of the room was a big platform. And on that platform were some tables and chairs and other equipment. Yeah,
0: you know, I think it was Churchill that said, we shape our buildings and then our buildings shape us.
1: Good point.
0: Wow, that sounds like a typical church building today. (laughs) In fact, it sounds like the uh, quote, end quote, church building I grew up in.
1: Absolutely, and me too. And why? Because 1,700 years after the fact, Christians are still using Constantine's 4th century design for their buildings. Mm. And, well, I think let's take a breath and slow down a second and think about this. Notice that Constantine, as we said, did not design his buildings like the non-Christian temples. They weren't round. They weren't square. They were rectangular. And so we're at, we ask ourselves, why did he do that? I know, I know he had a reason. Yeah, <laughs> and that was a very clear reason. As we already said, he did it because that is the shape of a Roman courthouse. Let me put it this way. Mm-hmm. He actually built courthouses for the Christians, and then he made it a law that they had to meet in those courthouses uh, as their place of worship. Now, why do we think he did that? Uh, Oh, and
0: I can only think of one logical reason. Uh, Courthouses are intimidating Uh uh, to the average person. Uh, People uh, tend to avoid them if possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, So meeting in courthouses uh, would have that effect. It would be intimidating to the early Christians.
1: Bingo. That's the reason, John. Remember that you asked earlier what was Constantine's motive. His motive, his goal was to suppress Christian spirituality. He wanted to bring it to heel the same way the non-Christian religions had been brought to heel. And so this is interesting. Mm. His His buildings were not even called churches until several years later. For the first few years, check this out, they were called basilicas. Yes. And the word basilica is a Latin word, and guess what it means? It means royal court. So imagine how these early Christians, remember now, some of them were Mm illiterate, and they were children, they were slaves, they were women. Imagine how they felt when they were told by the army and whoever that they had to start meeting in the royal court instead of their home. Mm -hmm. We we can feel the intimidation they must have felt, and that was his first big step. Toward suppressing the free and informal small group worship of the early Christians.
0: Wow, well, you can't make this stuff up. It's unbelievable. Constantine was clever, uh, in an evil sort yeah. of way. But but we said that the buildings, the the uh, basilicas, is that right, Owen? Uh,
1: the basilicas. The
0: basilicas was only his first step. Uh, unfortunately. Hmm. There are other things he did to suppress the early Christians.
1: Yeah, bad news, John. Mm. Like we said, he did that over 300 new laws over a 25-year period, so he did a lot, and his changes were many. And they were so deep, really, that we can't cover them in this brief podcast Mm -hmm. uh, episode, but our friends need to remember that we explain all of this fully in chapter 4 of the book Saving Christianity Uh, we can't get into that detail here but let's do this we promised at the start of the episode to talk about Constantine's 5 most harmful actions and we've already talked about the first 3 but let's list all 5 of them quickly we'll add the other 2 at the bottom of the list the first big change that he made was to build the first Christian buildings, the basilicas, and they designed them like Roman courthouses and made it the law that Christians had to go there for worship. Then secondly, he eventually created the name church and gave that name to the buildings, and that's why we use that word today. Right. We'll he, come back to this, yeah. by the way, John, in a later episode. Yeah, yeah. Number three, He named the first day of the week the Day of the Sun. Now, what did that mean? He passed that as a law that Christians had to worship that day. The reason he did that, he wanted Christians, hang on, to be sun god worshipers. That was his motive. So that was the day they had to worship. Well, over the years, this long phrase, the day of the sun, or originally it was the venerable day of the sun, was shortened to sun day, and today we call it Sunday. Mm. Constantine was the high priest of the sun god religion. And he did his best. He failed, but he came close to making Christianity a sun-god-worshipping religion. Mm. Fourth, Constantine created a new group of royal priests to run his new Christian buildings. But check this out. He gave them the legal authority of Roman judges, and he created a name for them. He called them the clergy another name that he invented. And so Christians had to obey those priests because they had the power of judges, and that further intimidated them. And finally, we'll stop with this one. Constantine created the cross as the main Christian symbol. Think about it. The cross was not an original Christian symbol. We've mentioned symbology in earlier episodes, but... Just to cover the base, there is no evidence ever been discovered anywhere of a cross as a Christian symbol before the middle of the 4th century. And researchers think that the cross originated from the mysterious plus sign that Constantine had in his dream. We mentioned that in an earlier episode, and he had that installed in the upraised hand of the giant statue that he put in the center of Rome, and people think that was the beginning of the cross. We do remember from an earlier episode that the original uh, Christian symbol was the fish, a Uh, diagram of a fish. Oh, and
0: uh, needless to say, these are, deeply disturbing facts, Uh, they should shock and enrage, actually, the average Christian. But uh, beyond that, where do all these actions by Constantine leave us?
1: Yeah, where do they leave us? Well, I think they leave us with a need uh, to do what we talk about in the book, uh, Saving Christianity, and that is, get back to the basics. Yeah. We need to sidestep everything that has happened to Christians since the fourth century, and we need to mentally jump back over all of those centuries and get our heads back and the first three centuries of Christian history and start doing what they did in those centuries and that's what we call getting back to the basics
0: and that is actually extreme it's fascinating but uh, how let's
1: let our friends know uh, how we can do that huh well, The first step, I think, is to understand how the early Christians really lived, met, and worshipped. And that's why we're digging up all of these historical facts in what we're calling our time capsule. We talked about that so much in Episode 1 and a little bit in Episode 2. But the second step is to start thinking, meeting, and worshipping the way the early Christians did. Because as we so often say, if we do what they did, we'll have what they had. If we do what they did, we'll have what they had.
0: Yeah, but how can, can today, how can Christians find out what the early Christians did? I mean, find it out uh, in a way clear enough to start doing what they did.
1: hmm Well, obviously, it takes a little time and a little commitment. People must want spiritual growth enough to pursue it. But then after that, John, anybody can do three things. First, they can read the book, Saving Christianity. Second, they can subscribe to and listen to this podcast. And third, they can read the true stories on my blog, about the Christians who are living the early Christian lifestyle.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And most importantly, uh, all of us can start praying Mm -hmm. for the Holy Spirit to guide us each
1: day. Each and every day, absolutely. That's most important of all because the Holy Spirit, think about this, Mm. is the same today as he was in the first century. Think about that. He hasn't changed. Mm -mm. And that means that Christianity works exactly the same way today as it did in the first century. Mm -hmm. So that leaves us with one big fat question to answer, John, as we come toward the end of this episode. Why is Christianity in crisis today today? And the answer's simple. Mm. Back in the 4th century, Christians were forced against their will to stop meeting in small groups in their homes and to stop being guided by the Holy Spirit. They were forced to start meeting in large groups and large buildings where they were forced to watch pre-planned ceremonies, programs, and rituals. And over time, 25 years or more, those changes eventually suppressed and basically killed early Christian spirituality
0: yeah, we're
1: going to talk about this more mm-hmm. but uh, it's almost
0: overwhelming yeah. it, it, it was turned in from life to to an institution yes uh, and we have a lot of ground to make up today don't we
1: Yeah, we do. A lot of ground to make Mm. up. The good news is we're going to make it up.
0: Yes, amen, yes. And
1: however, John, I'm looking at the big clock on the wall now, and it's time to close Episode 5. In the next episode, we're going to start talking about how to make up this lost ground that, that Christians have lost since the fourth century. So I'm thinking that episode six is going to be an exciting one.
0: It certainly is, but we desperately need to know how to overcome what Constantine
1: did to Christianity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, i tell you what let's do then, John. Right now, let's close this episode by summarizing Constantine's legacy, if that's the right word. Right. I'm not sure that's a good word. Constantine's legacy to Christianity. And to do that, let me read a few sentences right at the end of chapter 4 of the book, Saving Christianity. Yeah, that's perfect, Owen. Go for okay. it. Okay, these these lines are right at the end of chapter 4, and we're summarizing here what happened in the 4th century after Constantine died, and I quote, mm-hmm. after Constantine's death in the late 4th century, the emperors who followed him developed choirs and chants, incense and candles, mass, quotes, ceremonies, in other words, communion ceremonies, Mm -hmm. the use of sermons by professional speakers, the habit of letting the clergy make all congregational decisions behind closed doors, and most importantly— We already mentioned this. Mm -hmm. They outlawed small groups in private homes, uh, and as we'll see uh, all about that more clearly in a later episode.
0: So it's
1: uh,
0: factually correct that uh, about everything that we call Christian today actually came from Constantine. It didn't come from the early Christians.
1: Constantinus. That's right. Well, tragically. I mean, I use that word carefully. It's it's a, a absolute tragedy. Yeah. Well, John, probably by now our friends who are listening are probably asking themselves two questions. How much of what I know about Christianity actually came from Constantine and not from the early Christians? And if If a lot of what I know came Mm -hmm. from Constantine and not from the early Christians, how much has that suppressed my spiritual growth?
0: Right. And I think, Owen, just from my own experience, it's going to take uh, uh, some openness and some courage to Mm -hmm. go there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can see that Episode (laughs) 6 is going to be a big help to our friends in starting to grow spiritually.
1: Right, and let's just remind our friends as we leave that this is Episode 5 in our podcast and that a script and recording of it are at cfopods.com on the internet, C-F-O-P-O-D-S, cfopods.com on the internet.
0: Also, we hope that you will subscribe to this podcast and that you'll read the book, Saving Christianity.
1: That's right. But for now, this is
0: Owen Allen.
1: And this is John Shields
0: with our producer, Shannon Wolf
1: Saying, may the God of our fathers bless you and keep you and guide you and protect you until we meet again.